section three of the mabinogen volume two by anonymous translated by charlotte guest this librivox recording is in the public domain geraint the son of urban so geraint alighted and the youth took the maiden from off her horse then they washed and took their repast and the youth cut the bread in slices and gave them drink and served them withal and when they had finished the youth arose and said to geraint my lord with thy permission i will now go and fetch some food for the mowers go first to the town said geraint and take a lodging for me in the best place that thou knowest and the most commodious one for the horses and take thou whichever horse and arms thou choosest in payment for thy service and thy gift heaven reward thee lord said the youth and this would be ample to repay services much greater than those i rendered unto thee and to the town went the youth and he took the best and the most pleasant lodgings that he knew and after that he went to the palace having the horse and armour with him and proceeded to the place where the earl was and told him all his adventure i go now lord said he to meet the young man and to conduct him to his lodging go gladly said the earl and right joyfully shall he be received here if he so come and the youth went to meet geraint and told him that he would be received gladly by the earl in his own palace but he would go only to his lodgings and he had a goodly chamber in which was plenty of straw and draperies and a spacious and commodious place he had for the horses and the youth prepared for them plenty of provender and after they had disarrayed themselves geraint spoke thus to enid go said he to the other side of the chamber and come not to this side of the house and thou mayest call to thee the woman of the house if thou wilt i will do lord said she as thou sayest and thereupon the man of the house came to geraint and welcomed him o chieftain he said hast thou taken thy meal i have said he then the youth spoke to him and inquired if he would not drink something before he met the earl truly i will said he so the youth went into the town and brought them drink and they drank i must need sleep said geraint well said the youth and whilst thou sleepest i will go to see the earl go gladly he said and come here again when i require thee and geraint went to sleep and so did enid also and the youth came to the place where the earl was and the earl asked him where the lodgings of the knight were and he told him i must go said the youth to wait on him in the evening go answered the earl and greet him well from me and tell him that in the evening i will go to see him this will i do said the youth so he came when it was time for them to awake and they arose and went forth and when it was time for them to take their food they took it and the youth served them and geraint inquired of the man of the house whether there were any of his companions that he wished to invite to him and he said that there were bring them hither and entertain them at my cost with the best thou canst buy in the town and the man of the house brought there those whom he chose and feasted them at geraint's expense thereupon behold the earl came to visit geraint and his twelve honourable knights with him and geraint rose up and welcomed him heaven preserve thee said the earl then they all sat down according to their precedence in honour and the earl conversed with geraint and inquired of him the object of his journey 
i have none he replied but to seek adventures and to follow my own inclination then the earl cast his eye upon enid and he looked at her steadfastly and he thought he had never seen a maiden fairer or more comely than she and he set all his thoughts and his affections upon her then he asked of geraint have i thy permission to go and converse with yonder maiden for i see that she is apart from thee thou hast it gladly said he so the earl went to the place where the maiden was and spake with her ah maiden said he it cannot be pleasant to thee to journey thus with yonder man it is not unpleasant to me said she to journey the same road that he journeys thou hast neither youths nor maidens to serve thee said he truly she replied it is more pleasant for me to follow yonder man than to be served by youths and maidens i will give thee good counsel said he all my earldom will i place in thy possession if thou wilt dwell with me that will i not by heaven she said yonder man was the first to whom my faith was ever pledged and shall i prove inconstant to him thou art in the wrong said the earl if i slay the man yonder i can keep thee with me as long as i choose and when thou no longer pleasest me i can turn thee away but if thou goest with me by thy own good will i protest that our union shall continue eternal and undivided as long as i remain alive then she pondered these words of his and she considered that it was advisable to encourage him in his request behold then chieftain this is most expedient for thee to do to save me any needless imputation come here to-morrow and take me away as though i knew nothing thereof i will do so said he so he arose and took his leave and went forth with his attendants and she told not then to geraint any of the conversation which she had had with the earl lest it should rouse his anger and cause him uneasiness and care and at the usual hour they went to sleep and at the beginning of the night enid slept a little and at midnight she arose and placed all geraint's armour together so that it might be ready to put on and although fearful of her errand she came to the side of geraint's bed and she spoke to him softly and gently saying my lord arise and clothe thyself for these were the words of the earl to me and his intention concerning me so she told geraint all that had passed and although he was wroth with her he took warning and clothed himself and she lighted a candle that he might have light to do so leave there the candle said he and desire the man of the house to come here then she went and the man of the house came to him dost thou know how much i owe thee asked geraint i think thou owest but little take the eleven horses and the eleven suits of armour heaven reward thee lord said he but i spent not the value of one suit of armour upon thee for that reason said he thou wilt be the richer and now wilt thou come to guide me out of the town i will gladly said he and in which direction dost thou intend to go i wish to leave the town by a different way from that by which i entered it so the man of the lodgings accompanied him as far as he desired then he bade the maiden to go on before him and she did so and went straight forward and his host returned home and he had only just reached his house when behold the greatest tumult approached that was ever heard 
and when he looked out he saw fourscore knights in complete armour around the house with the earl dwerm at their head where is the knight that was here said the earl by thy hand said he he went hence some time ago wherefore villain said he didst thou let him go without informing me my lord thou didst not command me to do so else would i not have allowed him to depart what way dost thou think that he took i know not except that he went along the high road and they turned their horses heads that way and seeing the tracks of the horses upon the high road they followed and when the maiden beheld the dawning of the day she looked behind her and saw vast clouds of dust coming nearer and nearer to her and thereupon she became uneasy and she thought that it was the earl and his host coming after them and thereupon she beheld a knight appearing through the mist by my faith said she though he should slay me it were better for me to receive my death at his hands than to see him killed without warning him my lord she said to him seest thou yonder man hastening after thee and many others with him i do see him said he and in despite of all my orders i see that thou wilt never keep silence then he turned upon the knight and with the first thrust he threw him down under his horse's feet and as long as there remained one of the fourscore knights he overthrew every one of them at the first onset and from the weakest to the strongest they all attacked him one after the other except the earl and last of all the earl came against him also and he broke his lance and then he broke a second but geraint turned upon him and struck him with his lance upon the centre of his shield so that by that single thrust the shield was split and all his armour broken and he himself was brought over his horse's crupper to the ground and was in peril of his life and geraint drew near to him and at the noise of the trampling of his horse the earl revived mercy lord said he to geraint and geraint granted him mercy but through the hardness of the ground where they had fallen and the violence of the stroke which they had received there was not a single knight amongst them that escaped without receiving a fall mortally severe and grievously painful and desperately wounding from the hand of geraint and geraint journeyed along the high road that was before him and the maiden went on first and near them they beheld a valley which was the fairest ever seen and which had a large river running through it and there was a bridge over the river and the high road led to the bridge and above the bridge upon the opposite side of the river they beheld a fortified town the fairest ever seen and as they approached the bridge geraint saw coming towards him from a thick copse a man mounted upon a large and lofty steed even of pace and spirited though tractable ah knight said geraint whence comest thou i come said he from the valley below us canst thou tell me said geraint who is the owner of this fair valley and yonder walled town i will tell thee willingly said he guifert pettit he is called by the franks but the welsh call him the little king can i go by yonder bridge said geraint and by the lower highway that is beneath the town said the knight thou canst not go by his tower on the other side of the bridge unless thou dost intend to combat him because it is his custom to encounter every knight that comes upon his lands i declare to heaven said geraint that i will nevertheless pursue my journey that way 
if thou dost so said the knight thou wilt probably meet with shame and disgrace in reward for thy daring then geraint proceeded along the road that led to the town and the road brought him to a ground that was hard and rugged and high and ridgy and as he journeyed thus he beheld a knight following him upon a war-horse strong and large and proudly stepping and wide-hoofed and broad-chested and he never saw a man of smaller stature than he who was upon the horse and both he and his horse were completely armed when he had overtaken geraint he said to him tell me chieftain whether it is through ignorance or through presumption that thou seekest to insult my dignity and to infringe my rules nay answered geraint i knew not that this road was forbid to any thou didst know it said the other come with me to my court to do me satisfaction that will i not by my faith said geraint i would not go even to thy lord's court excepting arthur were thy lord by the hand of arthur himself said the knight i will have satisfaction of thee or receive my overthrow at thy hands and immediately they charged one another and a squire of his came to serve him with lances as he broke them and they gave each other such hard and severe strokes that their shields lost all their colour but it was very difficult for geraint to fight with him on account of his small size for he was hardly able to get a full aim at him with all the efforts he could make and they fought thus until their horses were brought down upon their knees and at length geraint threw the knight headlong to the ground and then they fought on foot and they gave one another blows so boldly fierce so frequent and so severely powerful that their helmets were pierced and their skull-caps were broken and their arms were shattered and the light of their eyes was darkened by sweat and blood at the last geraint became enraged and he called to him all his strength and boldly angry and swiftly resolute and furiously determined he lifted up his sword and struck him on the crown of his head a blow so mortally painful so violent so fierce and so penetrating that it cut through all his head armour and his skin and his flesh until it wounded the very bone and the sword flew out of the hand of the little king to the furthest end of the plain and he besought geraint that he would have mercy and compassion upon him though thou hast been neither courteous nor just said geraint thou shalt have mercy upon condition that thou wilt become my ally and engage never to fight against me again but to come to my assistance whenever thou hearest of my being in trouble this will i do gladly lord said he so he pledged him his faith thereof and now lord come with me said he to my court yonder to recover from thy weariness and fatigue that will i not by heaven said he then griffith pettit beheld enid where she stood and it grieved him to see one of her noble mien appear so deeply afflicted and he said to geraint my lord thou doest wrong not to take repose and refresh thyself awhile for if thou meetest with any difficulty in thy present condition it will not be easy for thee to surmount it but geraint would do no other than proceed on his journey and he mounted his horse in pain and all covered with blood and the maiden went on first and they proceeded towards the wood which they saw before them and the heat of the sun was very great and through the blood and sweat geraint's armour cleaved to his flesh and when they came into the wood he stood under a tree to avoid the sun's heat and his wounds pained him more than they had done at the time when he received them 
and the maiden stood under another tree and lo they heard the sound of horns and a tumultuous noise and the occasion of it was that arthur and his company had come down to the wood and while geraint was considering which way he should go to avoid them behold he was espied by a foot-page who was an attendant on the steward of the household and he went to the steward and told him what kind of man he had seen in the wood then the steward caused his horse to be saddled and he took his lance and his shield and went to the place where geraint was ah knight said he what dost thou here i am standing under a shady tree to avoid the heat and the rays of the sun wherefore is thy journey and who art thou i seek adventures and go where i list indeed said kai then come with me to see arthur who is here hard by that will i not by heaven said geraint thou must needs come said kai then geraint knew who he was but kai did not know geraint and kai attacked geraint as best as he could and geraint became wroth and he struck him with the shaft of his lance so that he rolled headlong to the ground but chastisement worse than this would he not inflict on him scared and wildly kai arose and he mounted his horse and went back to his lodging and thence he proceeded to gwaltchmai's tent oh sir said he to gwaltchmai i was told by one of the attendants that he saw in the wood above a wounded knight having on battered armour and if thou dost write thou wilt go and see if this be true i care not if i do so said gwaltchmai take then thy horse and some of thy armour said kai for i hear that he is not over courteous to those who approach him so gwaltchmai took his spear and his shield and mounted his horse and came to the spot where geraint was sir knight said he wherefore is thy journey i journey for my own pleasure and to seek the adventures of the world wilt thou tell me who thou art or wilt thou come and visit arthur who is near at hand i will make no alliance with thee nor will i go and visit arthur said he and he knew that it was gwaltchmai but gwaltchmai knew him not i propose not to leave thee said gwaltchmai till i know who thou art and he charged him with his lance and struck him on his shield so that the shaft was shivered into splinters and their horses were front to front then gwaltchmai gazed fixedly upon him and he knew him ah geraint said he is it thou that art here i am not geraint said he geraint thou art by heaven he replied and a wretched and insane expedition is this then he looked around and beheld enid and he welcomed her gladly geraint said gwaltchmai come thou and see arthur he is thy lord and thy cousin i will not said he for i am not in a fit state to go and see any one thereupon behold one of the pages came after gwaltchmai to speak to him so he sent him to apprise arthur that geraint was there wounded and that he would not go to visit him and that it was pitiable to see the plight that he was in and this he did without geraint's knowledge inasmuch as he spoke in a whisper to the page entreat arthur said he to have his tent brought near to the road for he will not meet him willingly and it is not easy to compel him in the mood he is in so the page came to arthur and told him this and he caused his tent to be removed unto the side of the road and the maiden rejoiced in her heart and gwaltchmai led geraint onwards along the road till they came to the place where arthur was encamped and the pages were pitching his tent by the roadside lord said geraint all hail unto thee heaven prosper thee and who art thou said arthur it is geraint said gwaltchmai and of his own free will would he not come to meet thee verily said arthur he is bereft of his reason then came enid and saluted arthur heaven protect thee said he 
and thereupon he caused one of the pages to take her from her horse alas enid said arthur what expedition is this i know not lord said she save that it behooves me to journey by the same road that he journeys my lord said geraint with thy permission we will depart whither wilt thou go said arthur thou canst not proceed now unless it be unto thy death he will not suffer himself to be invited by me said gwaltmai but by me he will said arthur and moreover he does not go from here until he is healed i had rather lord said geraint that thou wouldest let me go forth that will i not i declare to heaven said he then he caused a maiden to be sent for to conduct enid to the tent where gwen wyvar's chamber was and gwen wyvar and all her women were joyful at her coming and they took off her riding dress and placed other garments upon her arthur also called katy rife and ordered him to pitch a tent for geraint and the physicians and he enjoined him to provide him with abundance of all that might be requisite for him and katy rife did as he had commanded him and morgan tud and his disciples were brought to geraint and arthur and his host remained there nearly a month whilst geraint was being healed and when he was fully recovered geraint came to arthur and asked his permission to depart i know not if thou art quite well in truth i am lord said geraint i shall not believe thee concerning that but the physicians that were with thee so arthur caused the physicians to be summoned to him and asked them if it were true it is true lord said morgan said so the next day arthur permitted him to go forth and he pursued his journey and on the same day arthur removed thence and geraint desired enid to go on and to keep before him as she had formerly done and she went forward along the high road and as they journeyed thus they heard an exceeding loud wailing near to them stay thou here said he and i will go and see what is the cause of this wailing i will said she then he went forward into an open glade that was near the road and in the glade he saw two horses one having a man's saddle and the other a woman's saddle upon it and behold there was a knight lying dead in his armour and a young damsel in a riding-dress standing over him lamenting ah lady said geraint what hath befallen thee behold she answered i journeyed here with my beloved husband when lo three giants came upon us and without any cause in the world they slew him which way went they hence said geraint yonder by the high road she replied so he returned to enid go said he to the lady that is below yonder and await me there till i come she was sad when he ordered her to do thus but nevertheless she went to the damsel whom it was ruth to hear and she felt certain that geraint would never return meanwhile geraint followed the giants and overtook them and each of them was greater of stature than three other men and a huge club was on the shoulder of each then he rushed upon one of them and thrust his lance through his body and having drawn it forth again he pierced another of them through likewise but the third turned upon him and struck him with his club so that he split his shield and crushed his shoulder and opened his wounds anew and all his blood began to flow from him but geraint drew his sword and attacked the giant and gave him a blow on the crown of his head so severe and fierce and violent that his head and his neck were split down to his shoulders and he fell dead so geraint left him thus and returned to enid and when he saw her he fell down lifeless from his horse piercing and loud and thrilling was the cry that enid uttered and she came and stood over him where he had fallen and at the sound of her cries came the earl of lemours and the host that journeyed with him whom her lamentations brought out of their road and the earl said to enid alas lady what hath befallen thee ah good sir said she the only man i have loved or ever shall love is slain 
then he said to the other and what is the cause of thy grief they have slain my beloved husband also said she and who was it that slew them some giants she answered slew my best beloved and the other knight went in pursuit of them and came back in the state thou seest his blood flowing excessively but it appears to me that he did not leave the giants without killing some of them if not all the earl caused the knight that was dead to be buried but he thought that there still remained some life in geraint and to see if he yet would live he had him carried with him in the hollow of his shield and upon a bier and the two damsels went to the court and when they arrived there geraint was placed upon a litter couch in front of the table that was in the hall then they all took off their travelling gear and the earl besought enid to do the same and to clothe herself in other garments i will not by heaven said she ah lady said he be not so sorrowful for this matter it were hard to persuade me to be otherwise said she i will act towards thee in such wise that thou needest not be sorrowful whether yonder knight live or die behold a good earldom together with myself will i bestow on thee be therefore happy and joyful i declare to heaven said she that henceforth i shall never be joyful while i live come then said he and eat no by heaven i will not she answered but by heaven thou shalt said he so he took her with him to the table against her will and many times desired her to eat i call heaven to witness said she that i will not eat until the man that is upon yonder beer shall eat likewise thou canst not fulfil that said the earl yonder man is dead already i will prove that i can said she then he offered her a goblet of liquor drink this goblet he said and it will cause thee to change thy mind evil betide me she answered if i drink aught until he drink also truly said the earl it is of no more avail for me to be gentle with thee than ungentle and he gave her a box in the ear thereupon she raised a loud and piercing shriek and her lamentations were much greater than they had been before for she considered in her mind that had geraint been alive he durst not have struck her thus but behold at the sound of her cry geraint revived from his swoon and he sat up on the bier and finding his sword in the hollow of his shield he rushed to the place where the earl was and struck him a fiercely wounding severely venomous and sternly smiting blow upon the crown of his head so that he clove him in twain until his sword was stayed by the table then all left the board and fled away and this was not so much through fear of the living as through the dread they felt at seeing the dead man rise up to slay them and geraint looked upon enid and he was grieved for two causes one was to see that enid had lost her colour and her wonted aspect and the other to know that she was in the right lady said he knowest thou where our horses are i know lord where thy horse is she replied but i know not where is the other thy horse is in the house yonder so he went to the house and brought forth his horse and mounted him and took up enid from the ground and placed her upon the horse with him and he rode forward and their road lay between two hedges and the night was gaining on the day and lo they saw behind them the shafts of spears betwixt them and the sky and they heard the trampling of horses and the noise of a host approaching i hear something following us said he and i will put thee on the other side of the hedge and thus he did and thereupon behold a knight pricked towards him and couched his lance when he did all this she cried out saying o chieftain whoever thou art what renown wilt thou gain by slaying a dead man o heaven said he is it geraint yes in truth said she and who art thou i am the little king he answered coming to thy assistance for i heard that thou wast in trouble and if thou hadst followed my advice none of these hardships would have befallen thee nothing can happen said geraint without the will of heaven though much good results from counsel yes said the little king and i know good counsel for thee now 
come with me to the court of a son-in-law of my sister which is near here and thou shalt have the best medical assistance in the kingdom i will do so gladly and enid was placed upon the horse of one of the little king's squires and they went forward to the baron's palace and they were received there with gladness and they met with hospitality and attention and the next morning they went to seek physicians and it was not long before they came and they attended geraint until he was perfectly well and while geraint was under medical care the little king caused his armour to be repaired until it was as good as it had ever been and they remained there a fortnight and a month then the little king said to geraint now will we go towards my own court to take rest and amuse ourselves not so said geraint we will first journey for one day more and return again with all my heart said the little king do thou go then and early in the day they set forth and more gladly and more joyfully did enid journey with them that day than she had ever done and they came to the main road and when they reached a place where the road divided in two they beheld a man on foot coming towards them along one of these roads and gifford asked the man whence he came i come said he from an errand in the country tell me said geraint which is the best for me to follow of these two roads that is the best for thee to follow answered he for if thou goest by this one thou wilt never return below us said he there is a hedge of mist and within it are enchanted games and no one who has gone there has ever returned and the court of the earl owain is there and he permits no one to go to lodge in the town except he will go to his court i declare to heaven said geraint that we will take the lower road and they went along it until they came to the town and they took the fairest and pleasantest place in the town for their lodging and while they were thus behold a young man came to them and greeted them heaven be propitious to thee said they good sir said he what preparations are you making here we are taking up our lodging said they to pass the night it is not the custom with him who owns the town he answered to permit any of gentle birth unless they come to stay in his court to abide here therefore come you to the court we will come gladly said geraint and they went with the page and they were joyfully received and the earl came to the hall to meet them and he commanded the tables to be laid and they washed and sat down and this is the order in which they sat geraint on one side of the earl and enid on the other side and next to enid the little king and then the countess next to geraint and all after that as became their rank then geraint recollected the games and thought that he should not go to them and on that account he did not eat then the earl looked upon geraint and considered and he bethought him that his not eating was because of the games and it grieved him that he had ever established those games were it only on account of losing such a youth as geraint and if geraint had asked him to abolish the games he would gladly have done so then the earl said to geraint what thought occupies thy mind that thou dost not eat if thou hesitatest about going to the games thou shalt not go and no other of thy rank shall ever go either heaven reward thee said geraint but i wish nothing better than to go to the games and to be shown the way thither if that is what thou dost prefer thou shalt obtain it willingly i do prefer it indeed said he then they ate and they were amply served and they had a variety of gifts and abundance of liquor and when they had finished eating they arose and geraint called for his horse and his armour and he accoutred both himself and his horse and all the host went forth until they came to the side of the hedge and the hedge was so lofty that it reached as high as they could see in the air and upon every stake in the hedge except two there was a, the head of a man and the number of stakes throughout the hedge was very great then said the little king may no one go in with the chieftain no one may said earl owain which way can i enter inquired geraint i know not said owain but enter by the way that thou wilt and that seemeth easiest to thee then fearlessly and unhesitatingly geraint dashed forward into the mist 
and on leaving the mist he came to a large orchard and in the orchard he saw an open space wherein was a tent of red satin and the door of the tent was open and an apple-tree stood in front of the door of the tent and on a branch of the apple-tree hung a huge hunting-horn then he dismounted and went into the tent and there was no one in the tent save one maiden sitting in a golden chair and another chair was opposite to her empty and geraint went to the empty chair and sat down therein ah chieftain said the maiden i would not counsel thee to sit in that chair wherefore said geraint the man to whom that chair belongs has never suffered another to sit in it i care not said geraint though it displease him that i sit in the chair and thereupon they heard a mighty tumult around the tent and geraint looked to see what was the cause of the tumult and he beheld without a knight mounted upon a war-horse proudly snorting high-mettled and large of bone and a robe of honour in two parts was upon him and upon his horse and beneath it was plenty of armour tell me chieftain said he to geraint who it was that bade thee sit there myself answered he it was wrong of thee to do me this shame and disgrace arise and do me satisfaction for thine insolence then geraint arose and they encountered immediately and they broke a set of lances and a second set and a third and they gave each other fierce and frequent strokes and at last geraint became enraged and he urged on his horse and rushed upon him and gave him a thrust on the centre of his shield so that it was split and so that the head of his lance went through his armour and his girths were broken and he himself was borne headlong to the ground the length of geraint's lance and arm over his horse's crupper o my lord said he thy mercy and thou shalt have what thou wilt i only desire said geraint that this game shall no longer exist here nor the hedge of mist nor magic nor enchantment thou shalt have this gladly lord he replied cause then the mist to disappear from this place said geraint sound yonder horn said he and when thou soundest it the mist will vanish but it will not go hence unless the horn be blown by the knight by whom i am vanquished and sad and sorrowful was enid where she remained through anxiety concerning geraint then geraint went and sounded the horn and at the first blast he gave the mist vanished and all the hosts came together and they all became reconciled to each other and the earl invited geraint and the little king to stay with him that night and the next morning they separated and geraint went towards his own dominions and thenceforth he reigned prosperously and his warlike fame and splendour lasted with renown and honour both to him and to enid from that time forward End of section three.